5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Lorraine Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. All sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 158 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we are gonna kind of, we're gonna take off our shoes, we're gonna kick back, and we're just gonna have a good old fashioned, like, bitch session, because it's okay, we're covering Chicago PD. Season four, episode 17, called Remember the Devil, a.k.a. the Linstead Breakup. See, I don't even really care as much about the, I mean, I do care. We'll get into that about the Linstead Breakup. To me, this is, I refer to this episode as the one where we learned Jay was married. Like, to me, that is the more important fact from this episode. And every time I talk about this episode, I always forget that. I'm like, this is the Linstead breakup. And somebody's like, yeah, but Abby. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. That happened, too. Oops. That will never be. I just I very vividly remember the night this aired because I was at the Kennedy Center. I was not watching live. I was at the Kennedy Center watching a common concert. And you text me. You were like, you will not believe what happened. And I was like, what? And you were like, you will not believe. And, like, I just remember you told me, and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) What in the world? And then I watched it the next day, and I was like, oh, shit. I'm glad you remember that, because I don't remember that. I I vividly, I don't know why, but, like, this episode is so clear in my mind. (laughs) I don't know why, but it is. So we've got a lot of feelings and a lot to discuss. And you guys had a lot of feelings, too. So we're just going to like it's going to be a cathartic session here today. This is not an episode. It's a therapy session. But actually, though, all week we've been texting about it. We're like, no, we have to save it for the pod. We have to save it for the pod. We were so ready to do this that we did the outline for this episode like last Sunday. We literally could have dropped everything and recorded last Sunday. We were that ready to go. Yeah, we were we were ready. So we're excited. We're excited. And so um, we we both got our wine. So we're you know, we're we're ready to go. So um, before we do that, we have a little bit of news and it's not heavy news. It's actually like fun news kind of. Right. So mm-hmm. earlier this week, uh, Wolf Entertainment dropped a new sort of Instagram series or a new series on their social media called Unscripted. And it looks like it's going to be a series of just chats between two actors from, you know, insert Wolf Entertainment show here. And so they kicked it off with Jesse Spencer and Tori DeVito. And I loved every minute of it. Oh, my God. It was 30 minutes of pure, like, greatness. I loved it. It was so good. I know. And so, yeah, it was 30 minutes. And it was just a chat between them. It was literally just them talking on Zoom, just like Brian and I are doing now. And it was perfect. And I love, too, I love that they picked people who I would have, I mean, obviously we've seen some, like, Manstead, uh, Casey scenes every now and then, but generally it's people who don't interact, and I love that. Like, it made it that much more interesting and fun, and I I loved every minute of it. 
It was perfect. So the I mean, and there was nothing juicy that came out of it, just like fun little tidbits of information. So we learned from Tori that they're only allowed to film 10 minutes at a time without their masks. Um, That was interesting. And the only reason we found that out, they must have recorded this like early in the month because Jesse had not gone back to work yet and Tori had. Yeah, I was going to say, it was clear, Jesse was like, ooh, tell me more, how does this go? And it was like, it took me a second, I was like, wait. And then I was like, oh yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. So they were only allowed to film 10 minutes at a time. Uh, during quarantine, Jesse randomly ran into Patty and his girlfriend, Reem, and he told this story about how he was like at some restaurant or something, and he didn't have his mask on, and then Patty spotted him and was like, hey! like, <laughs> Love it. Just adorable. Adorable. So... That happened. Uh, I think the best story out of this is that the craziest quarantine thing that Jesse did during this hiatus was vacuum his plants in his underwear. Oh my God. It's one of those things, too, though, because he asked the question originally to Tori that, like, clearly he wanted to tell this story and was trying to ask a question so that he could tell this story. It was so funny. Um, so, I mean, somewhere in Chicago, Jesse's neighbors got a, a free show of. Captain Casey in his underwear. I just want to know, do his neighbors know who he is? I know. Like, I want to know that, that too. Not saying that Jesse Spencer is like, you know, Meryl Streep level, Streep level or anything. But like, if he, you gotta know who he is, right? Like, I can't imagine them not knowing who he is. You know, there's some poor oblivious soul in that building who's just like, oh yeah, my neighbor up on whatever floor, the really nice Australian guy, like no clue who he is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And especially because, like, Jesse Spencer, if I didn't if I didn't watch Chicago Fire or House or and or wasn't an Australian, I don't he I wouldn't know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you know, I he's very obviously low profile. And I so I feel like it's possible. But like, geez, I got a good (laughs) laugh out of the story he told about his family and how like they're all healthcare workers. And so on the mantle at home in Melbourne, it's all of his siblings and, like, their doctor portraits. And then for him, it's a picture of him dressed as uh, Dr. Cam- not Cameron, uh, Dr. Chase. It's so funny. So funny. So funny. Um, I also want to know why Tori's hair. It, does Tori's hair just always look that perfect? She's so pretty. So pretty. Yeah. She's so pretty. But, like, she didn't wake up like that. I need her hair care routine. Yeah. Like, perfect, gorgeous, flowy curls. When I try to do that, my hair just frizzes. And I mean, okay, we just, we need to address the elephant in the room, okay? Um, Jesse Spencer and Tori DeVito have chemistry. I had a few people, like, Ashley, who used to be our co-host, she randomly texted, well, texted me, and she was like, um, can you guys talk about this on the podcast, please? Because they have chemistry. And I was like, yeah, we will. I promise. When the, Okay, so how did you feel when when that episode aired and Casey and Manning were, like, stuck in the elevator? How did you feel about it? Were you just like, holy shit? I mean, I wasn't like, holy shit, this is amazing. But, like, it's not – if they were to have ever gone there, I wouldn't turn it – I wouldn't be like, oh, no, they can't get together. Right? I don't think they're ever going there. But, like, you know what I'm saying? The elevator scene, I was just like, okay, cool. They act well together. Like, moving on. That's never going to happen. But seeing this, I was like, oh, shit. They they have really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Just, Just – gonna take that and like stuff it in my back pocket mm-hmm. 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 yeah so 
Um, hopefully there's far more Chicago ones to come. I'm sure that they're going to jazz it up with FBI and law and order and all that in the coming weeks, but yeah. Yeah, And I hope that we just continue to get like random pairings. Cause I think it's going to be 10 times more fun if we get like, um, you know, Marlon and Taylor, you know, just like random pairings like that. Like I, I think it'll that. be more fun. Cause I know somebody said like, oh, why can't we get Jesse and Nick? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that would be great. But, like, we see things between them more often. Like, I don't want, I don't necessarily need that. Like, I want the more random pairings. Yeah, absolutely. That would be good. That would be good. So um, there was an interview earlier this week with Jeremy Sisto um, over from FBI. And they were asking him about things he'd want to see in the coming season. And he said he, he wants to see them go over to Chicago. And I'm like, yes, please. Yes, please. Unfortunately, I don't think that's happening this season. No, just, you know, I know. But hopefully in the future. Dang it. Because, yeah, I, I I pay good money for that. And and Haley going over to FBI was it 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 left something to be desired. Well, it got cut short. That too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Fingers crossed. We will see. So um, that's about all we have for the news. Um, hey, Bryna, have you voted yet? I have not, only because I'm going in person on the day of. Cool. So, have you voted yet? I have voted. I have. I voted early because um, I will be out of town on election day. So, oh, right. yeah, I voted early. Got it done. Um, the day you're listening to this is Friday, meaning there are 11 days left until the election. 11 days Crazy. left. Go vote. Do the thing. This is the biggest election of our lifetimes. And this is like, it's like when Chris Harrison is like, it's the most dramatic episode yet. And you're just like, every episode is the most dramatic episode yet. But no, really, this is probably the most important election of our lifetimes. So get out there, do the thing, make your voice heard. What she said. Yes. We can't say better than that. There is so much at stake. And again, think of us as your cool big sisters. Like, if you have questions or anything, if this is your first time voting, let us know. Ask the questions. You know, this is big. So we're here for you. Do the thing. You can do it. You got it. Vote, 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 vote. (laughs) Cool. So that is about all we've got for the news. Uh, You guys can always send us stuff if you see it. It helps a lot. And you guys are really good about that. And so we appreciate it. So, okay. All right, let's stretch it out. Let's take a sip of our wine. It's episode time. Ready? Oh, I'm ready. Ready? Ready? Okay. Let's do it. I'm going to take a sip. Mm-hmm. You're voting on the day of. Isn't it going to be packed? No. I live in a smaller town, right? Like, I don't live in D.C. anymore. I'm not used to that. I've just, I've always lived in a metropolitan area, so that, like, a small, I just can't fathom a small town. I'm just like, you can go on election day and it's not packed? I mean, I live in a place with 40,000 people. Like, it's not that. And people are voting early, so it's not going to even be that bad. But I've just, I've never gotten to go on the day of, ever. And so, because I've never been home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been registered here. And so I've always voted absentee. And so I've always wanted to go. I, I just want to do it in person. Like, I want to I wanna do it in person. Oh, so, Brian, so, it's like you live in Hartsfield Landing. Yeah, like, I want to do it in person on the day of, like, I just want to, I want to do it. And so I'm going to do it. I love it. Welcome to Meet Us at the West Wing, a West Wing spinoff podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting all the spinoff podcasts today. All of them. All of them. You probably saw our Twitter late on Wednesday about <laughs> Meet Us at the Masters. It's a podcast where Gina and Bryna just teach themselves golf. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, okay. Anyway. Anyway. It's the wine, y'all. We haven't had wine during a recording in a while, so. Okay, so Chicago PD, 417, Remember the Devil, the Linstead breakup slash holy shit Jay's married slash that case where Rosewater gets stuck in like a secret compartment. I forgot that this was that episode. Like, I totally forgot about that. And then I was like, oh, shit. I did too. I did too. So I love this episode, though. It's a mess. It's a fucking mess. Don't get me wrong. It's an absolute train wreck mess. But I love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say I love this episode. I don't know if I would use that phrase. But I did enjoy myself while watching it, and I have a lot of feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we start off, and there is... We're going to start with the case, and then we're going to get into all the Linstead stuff. So there's a girl missing in the woods. And so Linstead goes searching. They find an empty cabin with a shipping container in the front yard. That's not conspicuous at all, right? It's never good. It's never good. It's never good. Anytime you see a shipping container in a place by itself, it's usually suspicious. Yes. A hundred percent. hundred percent. hundred percent. At this point, it's worth noting that Ruzik looks amazing in those aviators because, I mean, he does. I mean, it's season four. Season four, I feel like, was prime Ruzik aviators look Bryna who rocks aviators better Ruzik or Joe Biden <laughs> I don't know how to answer 11 days y'all <laughs> I don't know I mean okay I'm gonna take a political answer I'm gonna say Ruzik because we're talking about PD right now good job <laughs> Ruzik because aviators go better with plaid than with a suit I will argue against that. But <laughs> yes. We got wine, y'all. We warned you. We warned you. Okay. So, anyway. Yeah, Ruzik's an aviator. He's wearing plaid. It's just peak Ruzik, and he looks amazing. I mean, what else is there to say? So, they open the container. There is a girl chained up in the back of the container, and she's claiming that there's a bomb. This poor girl is hysterical. Like, she's so just terrified. But I love the that it's the little details here. So Aaron goes in and she's like, I don't see anything, whatever. And Hank's just like, okay, make the call. Like, what do you want to do? And she just goes, okay, fall back, like fall back. And Jay lingers and he's just like, Aaron, like what the hell? And she's like, no, I'm already in here. And not only does he like show his concern for Aaron, but you see Ruzik just be like, I get it. Like, Jay, reel it in. Come on. I get it. If it were Kim, I'd be doing the same. So that's great. <sighs> It's, I will say, like, it's moments like this, and when I'm watching an older episode that has a lot of, like, Linstead moments and things like that, I'm like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I'm like, shit. Like, I get back all back in my feels, and I'm like, this is why I shipped them so hard. I'm like, fuck. Like, Jay loved her so much. Yeah. It, yeah. But it wasn't reciprocated. I, I know, I know. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. But yeah, I just like it's moments like that though. That like when I'm watching an old episode, I'm like, fuck. Like I think I'm fine, and I have obviously moved on, and I do. I'm waiting for upset to happen. But it's when we go back, and I'm like, oh fuck, Linstead. I will never be over them. Really. I know. I know. So at the at Med because uh, you know she goes to Med after, and Jay and Aaron get some intel, and so. Uh, This girl, she responded to a Craigslist ad for a caretaker for the cabin. And that's basically where this guy locked her up. His name is Austin. Can we? Hold on a second. 
I keep, like, obviously they were talking about, and we'll get to this maybe in a little bit, but, like, over the years there have obviously been, like, hundreds of responses to this ad for a caretaker for the cabin. Like, that just sounds like a sketchy-ass job title, job description, and I would never even come close to applying for that. Like, that just sounds so weird to me. Have any of you listeners ever applied for a job on Craigslist? No, 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 I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the caretaker for the cabin. Oh, absolutely. Like, I wouldn't be, like, if I'm looking for jobs on, like, Indeed or even Craigslist, whatever, if I saw that, it'd be like, what the fuck? And I'm like, that sounds like something from a horror movie. Uh, no, scroll on. Like, nothing, I would never have applied to that, ever. I, no, I mean, me neither. But it, obviously, this guy, Austin, he preys upon these younger girls, right? Because, yeah, this well, this sounds sketch to me, too. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. But, yes, he doesn't only prey on the no. young girls. But, I, you know, Austin basically locked her up. And Aaron just does not trust this girl at all. But it's not even, like, there's just no empathy coming from Aaron. None of this, like, yeah, you made a mistake. Something really traumatic happened to you. I'm sorry about that. Aaron is flat out just like, you're a lying idiot. Well, the thing that I think is so interesting about that, too, is because I agree in this scene, she doesn't have any empathy for her. But one of the things when I was first rewatching it and you see her in the shipping container trying to talk to the girl and calm her down. One of the first things that I thought was like, wow, I I mean, I obviously always remembered this, but I was like struck again by the fact that Aaron is so good with younger girl, like teenager girls, especially who've gone through stuff like you always saw her you know, being the one to help those girls through whatever they were going through. And so I was like, oh, wow, this is something I really loved about the Aaron character. And then it just flipped like 180 degrees. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, well, where did that come from? And rewatching this, obviously, it gave us the chance to look at it with a way more analytical like lens. Mm-hmm. And so the very first scene of this entire episode, which I mean, we haven't gotten to it yet, but the very first scene of this whole episode is Will coming in to tell Jay that Abby tracked him down. And The whole, I mean, it's kind of the catalyst for everything. And so I think this episode paints Aaron in a very odd, but also negative light. Yeah, I'd agree. I just think, I just thought it was interesting that like you saw still a little bit of that softer side and the empathetic side of her in the shipping container. And then literally like two scenes later, it flips and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Exactly. And so uh, that's why I think I think this episode paints her in such a weird light because it, it it almost sets it up as if to say Aaron is pissed that Jay won't talk to her and therefore she's taking it out on this girl. Yeah. And I mean, that's unfair. But yeah, I definitely you could read it as that for sure. And I think most people do. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. And so, yeah, and, and poor Jay is just like, um, maybe we should, like, ease up a little bit. But, he, yeah, she's just, it, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. So, um, Al and Adam, R.I.P. Al, um, they track down the woman who sold this cabin to an LLC. An LLC basically owns the cabin. And so she tracks down who did the selling. And it's a woman named Geraldine Crane, which, like, this woman is, like, she was, like, the OG Karen, let me tell you. She's got Karen hair. Like, she everything about her screams Karen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but before this, there is some, the, the other reason why I love this episode so much is there are some little bitty quips in here, just little pieces of dialogue that are just, like, perfect. 
And yeah, there are some really funny moments. Yeah. So this was the episode with that moment where Al is just like, hey, Adam, let's go. And Kim's just like, did I do something wrong? And he's like, no, you're eating. And Ruzik's like, yeah, I'm eating too. And Al goes, yeah, but I don't care about that. <laughs> so good. Just like, just little bitty, quippy, adorable moments. And like, again, this episode is like the gift that keeps on giving. Because not only is it a Linstead episode, but we get not one, but two Berzik moments out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah this is like the ikea of chicago pd episodes it's like bang for your buck <laughs> <laughs> it is it is yeah yeah so this woman geraldine she has no idea who her late husband sold the cabin to so he, she's like oh i don't know hmm her i've never seen that in my life meanwhile kevin's outside and he's just like hey look human remains and so Jay is just like, all right, well, she's telling the truth. Cool. She being the girl. The girl. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, that's how it goes back to painting Aaron in this negative light because Jay's just like, you came down on her for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, eh, not pretty. So Adam and Al, they find Austin's signature, but everything takes a total left turn when there's random video pops up. So this guy is like an ex-military, but he specializes in hostage recovery and was apparently hired by a third party to find the girl's friend. So the left turn is that surprise, there's another girl. Crazy. So crazy. I know. <clears throat> and so the timing on this one is just so crazy. This something I forgot too. This is like only an episode or two removed from when Lexi died. It's one episode, yeah. Yeah, it's literally the episode after. And so Al is immediately like, I want this one. Like, we're doing this. And so Voight yeah, and Al. In my feels, when he said that, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. When he walked in and Voight was like, oh, my God, like, mourn your daughter. I was like, oh, my God, we're, like, in that area. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just. Yeah. It's crazy. And, like. Meredith, poor, I, I wonder how she's doing. Like, she lost her husband and her daughter. I know. Because of we'll Voight. Never, we'll, never, we'll never know, but yeah. Okay, well, she didn't lose Lexi because of Voight. That's not true, but Al. But still, she lost Lexi and Al. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. It's so sad. So Voight and Al go to this guy's office, and, like, that is how, I always say this, but you can totally gauge how much trouble someone's in by who goes to visit them, and if it's Voight and (laughs) Al, like, you done fucked up. Yeah. 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 You're in bad shape. Um, But also, like, LOL at the fake book drop, and he's got, like, a, he's got a fake backdrop, this guy, and it's, like, all books. It's so bad. It's so bad. I got a little bit of a laugh out of that, because I was like, wow, this guy's full of shit. It's so bad. So I thought that was pretty funny. So apparently someone with a voice modulator called him and gave him money to find Juliana's friend. But like, you didn't think to maybe call the police and report this? Right. One of the things that was like sketchy about it too is like, he's like, oh yeah, $5,000 hit my account already. And then they say, I get like another 10000 when I find her and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, huh? Bro. Uh- yeah, it makes no sense. No, no sense at all. None. So Juliana is the girl, the initial girl who was found in the shipping container. She won't ID this Austin guy, which like, yeah, OK, she's lying to Aaron. Sure. But Aaron's being really harsh. Yeah. Like 
She, I mean, yeah, this scene especially, it, it's it's not good. Yeah, she's being really harsh, and like, I, I mean, I, I I can kind of see why Juliana's concealing the information. Like, if I'm her, I'm afraid of Aaron. I don't know if I'm afraid of Aaron, but I definitely wouldn't be. I'd be reluctant to open up that fast. Like yeah. nothing about that is said. Like you can trust me with you know whatever I'm hiding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at one point Aaron's about to leave, and she's like, "If your friend is dead now, that's on you, Aaron." Yeah, it's not good. What the hell? Gross. And so all it takes, Jay shows like a teeny tiny little bit of compassion and Juliana's like, here's the details. And she also says, she says something about a car. She like spills some detail about a car. So they find Austin's foster brother, thanks to this detail about the car. And by this point, we're like midway through the episode. We've had some scenes involving the whole Abby thing. And so Aaron is just getting in like as many little digs as she can. And so... They find the foster brother, they find the car, whatever. And so Aaron's like, well, it looks like she finally came around. Let's hope it's not too late. Like, passive aggressive, thy name is Aaron. You know. <laughs> but also think yeah. about it, though. This is all, dude, the only reason she's acting this way is because Jay won't tell her who Abby is. Yeah. But she hasn't even really, at least that we've seen, like, she hasn't even really confronted him. So all that we know at this point in the episode is that she saw a girl standing outside. Like, waiting for him. Yeah. That's all we know. We don't know that she's seen the text. We don't know. Like, we don't know any of that stuff yet as viewers. And so we're like, what the fuck? Like, what? Is, like, what bug is bitten? Got, like, what bug is bitten your ass? Like, yeah. Geez. Yeah. And, like, this to me is, like, this is, like, when you ask a woman if they're okay and they say, I'm fine. Like, they're not fine. Yeah, and they're just going to parade around, like, all pissed off just so you know that. But we do get this gem of a ruse water scene here. Um, should we, like, act this out as terribly as we usually do? Yes. The theater. The Meet Us at Molly's Theater. Meet Us at Molly's Theater. Um, do you want to be Ruse or do you want to be Kev? Uh, it doesn't matter. Which one do you want to be? Um, I'll be Ruzik. I don't care. Okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, so Aaron makes this passive-aggressive remark as they, they basically come up on the Ruse waters. And so, and they, like, she makes the remark, Jay's like, whatever, and they walk on. And so they rock by and Ruse just goes, are they cool? I don't know. Ask her. No, sir. You ask her. No, thanks. And, and scene. scene. <laughs> Art, I tell you. Again, two Barzik scenes and this little ruse water moment. I mean. Oh, my. This is like what I love this moment. It was so funny. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag we are, we really blessed. blessed. I mean, considering everything else that happened. <laughs> because otherwise, this is not a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Maybe I've, like, blocked parts of this episode out of my mind for, like, trauma's sake. Yeah, I think you have. Okay. What, we'll get we'll get there. We'll save it for the Lindstead section. All right. So, so Austin escapes out the back, and this huge car chase ensues. And so something I didn't notice before here is that Erin's driving crazy. Well, she's driving clearly with a purpose. 
Well, yeah, but also, I mean, so she, I mean, it's it's from the outset of the show that Aaron's like, I drive under all circumstances, whatever. And Jay has just kind of like accepted it. But she's driving so crazy here that A, Jay notices, which like never happens. And B, they corner Austin into this boatyard where he is then T-boned by a truck. Could you make the argument that Aaron drove a little recklessly? I mean... But everything intelligence does is arguably recklessly. Uh, I don't know if it's arguably. I think it's pretty damn certain. But you know what I mean? Like, everything intelligence does. Yeah. So it's not that crazy. It's a little... I understand what you're saying. It is a little crazy. But in the grand scheme of the intelligence unit, it's not that crazy. I think it's just more... It stands out because we very rarely get car chases like that. True. True. You just never, I feel like Jay commenting on Aaron's driving is like a death wish for him. And so, you know, it's got to be a big deal if he's like, Aaron. And I think part of it is that he notices and he also knows that because I think, remind me, at this point, has he known, or he doesn't know, he, they haven't had the conversation, right, yet, have they, about him and Abby? No. Okay. So, he can, he can tell that something's bothering her. And I think he's more like, he can see that it's starting to seep into the work. And so I think it's partly a comment on that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So not only does Austin get T-boned by a truck, he then shoots himself in the head. And Aaron is so mad. Mm -hmm. So mad. But also, like, there's nobody's to blame for that, Aaron. Austin shot himself. Yeah. So, I don't know. will you take it from here? Yeah. So basically, of course, Austin had to have had help like he he couldn't have done it by himself and especially once we learn from austin's foster brother that he couldn't read or write because of just obviously his background and so he clearly had to have help but who and that's what intelligence is racking their brain about they're like but who helped him and then finally based on a preliminary sketch and like they finally put it together that it was darren crane the geraldine's husband and so Once they kind of put two and two together, Ruth Water goes back to Geraldine's house and, you know, they're trying to question her about it, but they can't find her. But they do find the secret door that was behind the refrigerator and it's cracked open. So, of course, Ruth Water goes down there and they find Shaney, which is the missing other girl, in the secret door. Um, And then the worst happens. (laughs) It's like a literal haunted house. Yeah, and again, perfect for Halloween. So perfect. perfect. Just, yeah. And so, then we, again, then this is where we figure out, they get back the composite sketch, and that's when they put together that it's actually Darren. And then everyone's like, well, didn't Ruthwater go visit Geraldine, and they still haven't come back, and no one's heard from them? And they're like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, crap. And so, they go to Geraldine's house, they open the door and Geraldine answers and Boyd's like, where are my men? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's basically like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So Boyd takes Geraldine out of the house because she still won't say anything. And they take Geraldine out of the house and back into the shed or he takes her back into the shed. And Jay and Aaron are still looking around the house for things. You know, trying to figure out where, what happened to Ruth's water. And then 
Voight does some things to Geraldine that can't probably happen anymore on the show. I hope they don't happen anymore on the show. I don't think they can. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that happens here that's a little. It's it was disturbing when it aired, but like it would be even worse now if uh, if it were to happen in season eight. Yeah, I mean it's a lot disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean especially to like that scream, and then like Jay and Aaron hear it in the house, and they're like, "Oh shit." Well, yeah, so, I, and, and, and Voight pulls a knife on her when they go in the shed, so, like, mm, that can't mm-hmm. happen. But the knife plus the scream, she gives up the code immediately, and then she has a bandage on her hand in interrogation. Are we supposed to believe that Hank cut her finger off? Yes. That is some Handmaid's Tale shit. I Quite literally, it happened on Handmaid's Tale. I was going to say, I don't know about that, because I've never seen or read Handmaid's Tale, but, yes, it is not great. Not great at all. I don't ever want to see that happen on Chicago PD ever again. I don't think they can have it happen. That that cannot happen ever again. Ever again. So basically, Jay finally notices that the plug is sticking out from the fridge. And then, so he's like, that's weird. And then he moves the fridge and finds the secret door. And they get in and find Ruse Water and Shaney. And that part's fine. And so, like you said, they bring Geraldine in, and she doesn't really admit to much. Um, but basically, kind of what happened is Darren and Austin were playing this game of luring girls in on Craigslist. And basically, like, when Darren died, Geraldine just kind of kept it going with Austin. Very weird. Um, but we don't really get a clear answer, like, because she never really admits anything. So it kind of just, we're left to assume that that's what happened, and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's an unsatisfying ending, but I also kind of like it because it's, it, I mean, it reflects, you know, the messiness of the real world. Yeah, and I mean, not every case either is going to have like a, yep, that person did it. Okay, great. And, you know, sometimes I feel like these cases have bows like pulled together too nicely and you're like, ah, I don't know about that. Right. Um, and not every case, like you said, in the world is like that. Um, so... So let's go back for a second to the whole thing with Geraldine in the shed. Okay, so how do we, let's discuss this as a, how do we, how does Voight handle this in season eight and still get the same result? How does he get the code in season eight? You know, that's an interesting question. And I know I saw you put that in the outline the other day and I've been thinking about that and I really don't know what the answer is. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is going to, come down to how they decide like what the writers really ultimately decide to do with Voight and like how Voight's going to react to the brutality and you know this new police officer character that's going to come in and be like the head of police reform and blah 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 and will there will he bump heads with her or not like I just don't know and I think so it's hard to say like yeah Voight does it x way and still gets the same result I don't think that's going to be the case because I I like to think that even though Voight I like to think Voight is going to be all for the Black Lives Matter cause but he's still going to want to do things the same way and I think it's going to take some time for him to change his ways assuming he does change his ways i mean he needs to change his ways but i don't know i just feel like there is going to be a lot of resistance from him there is and i think that's what this comes down to is that you know when i you know thinking about it 
how does Voight handle this in season eight? But is he even capable of handling it any other way? Does he know any other way to police other than with physical force? I don't know. And I think it'll be interesting, too, to see how much, and we've talked about this before, but, like, the dynamic of the intelligence unit in general, like, how much how much of it is going to be Voight versus everybody else? And, like, who's still on Voight's side, who's not still on Voight's side in terms of, like, the ways that they police? Um, and, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting, assuming they choose to go that route. But um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think a lot of it will have a better idea after the first, like, couple of episodes. But it's really hard to say up until then. Uh, yeah, I, there's just a million questions. And I right now in this moment, I'm looking at, you know, the Hank Voight we've seen for the past seven seasons. And if I take seasons one through seven, I look at that and I say, Voight's not capable of that. Voight's not capable of that kind of self-reflection. He's not capable of that. But Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know. There's there's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just I there's so much that we could keep saying, but it just. Yeah. I don't know. So that's the case. I love this case. I because it's messy. I don't know why I love it so much, but it's just such a mess. <laughs> but I love it. Um I, and I love the bonus moments out of it. I love that we got a Rosewater moment. I love that we get two Berserk scenes out of it. Like, yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, even the little touches too. Like when they find Shaney and they they finally find Rosewater. Like Rusik gave her his jacket. Just cutesy little details. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I just miss Patty and Patty hugs. I don't know. I think it's probably part of it. I miss Patty hugs. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, so moving into the Linstead stuff, which, like, buckle up, because, <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so the first scene up with the Linstead stuff, first scene, Will pops into the 21st. And, I mean, right off the bat, he's just like, Abby, track me down. And Jay's like, yeah, whatever. Like, she got in touch with me, too. And Will's like, she's in Chicago, and she's looking for you. And does Aaron know anything about the two of you? And Jay just goes, nope, nothing. Jay, you in some trouble. Yeah, it's bad. Just It's already bad. It's, it's already, already bad. It's already bad. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, they do a good job of, like, surprising us here. Because, I mean, I, the, I need I mean, you to... Like, yeah. I think it was pretty obvious that clearly Abby was most likely going to be a past girlfriend. Like, that that part wasn't surprising to me. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, what kind of shit is going to happen? And then you learn and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I what I do remember from this episode, I remember maybe I was looking down at my phone or something, maybe just to send out a tweet. And the minute she said divorce papers, I literally dropped the phone and was like, "What?" Like <laughs> it was like a speak to the TV moment of just like she said, "What?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Erin knows nothing. I figured she was a former girlfriend, never expected what she actually said. So good job on the writer surprising us. But Erin and Jay are walking into the 21st and Abby's just sort of standing there. It's so weird. It's so bizarre. It's pretty weird. And it's like negative five degrees out. Jay even says it. And she's just been lingering out there like. Okay. It's weird. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. So they go inside and Abby just casually drops that bomb. She's like, I need you to sign our divorce papers. 
What? Well, and that's Jay's reaction, too. Jay's like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, I signed them eight years ago. And Abby's like, yeah, but I didn't countersign them. So it didn't actually matter. This episode aired in, what, 2014? No, not 2014. Uh, That's when the show started. Uh, It was 2017. Okay. Yeah, this episode aired in 2017. Eight years ago was 2009. Jay was probably, like, early 20s at the oldest. No. Early 20s? I mean. I was going to say he was, like, my age. I would say he was probably younger than that. Well, how long was he in Afghanistan for? We don't really know. He did two tours. And how long is the tour? Like, a year, maybe? Huh? Maybe a little younger than me. But he's not like 20. He wasn't like 20 when he got married. He was maybe like 22 or 23. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's 20. my guess. I, I think like 23, maybe 24. Eight years ago. Eight years ago they got married. But Abby didn't countersign them. Okay, stage five clinger. Okay, here here's a real, like, real question. How do you not know... Okay, and this may be a dumb question because I've obviously never been married and I don't know anything about, like, taxes and stuff when you're married or whatever. How do you not know that you're still married? All right. Um, It's time for Lawyer Gina. It can happen. Um, And actually, and I know that because it's happening to a family member of mine right now. Um, where, you know, you think you got divorced or you started the proceedings and didn't finish them. Um, and it just kind of fell by the wayside. It, it actually can happen. Okay. But starting the proceedings and not finishing them. Okay, fine. But like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, if I'm Jay and I'm like 22 years old and I'm, you know, getting blackout drunk every night and then I go to Vegas to get blackout drunk. Okay, but not that that point. Not that point. I'm literally saying, but like, don't you have to declare on certain forms and things that you fill out that like you're married and like can't the IRS come after you because you didn't file the right way? Like that part of it? So, well, that's a good question about the tax forms. You know forms. what I'm saying? Like, on tax forms and things like that. Like, how would it, how would you not have known? Okay, well, but, but what happens here is that Abby is a big fat lying liar who lies. And so, in all reality, they're ma- the government knows that they're still married. But they're not still married. Abby lied, remember? No, they didn't sign, she didn't sign the divorce papers. They were still married. She lied about wanting to get married again, and that's why she she lied about the reason she came to see him. Not that they were never married or that they hadn't gotten a divorce. I I am not. I, what I'm thinking is that <laughs> she actually signed the divorce papers. She actually did, but she told Jay that she didn't. That's my guess. And if that's the case, then they actually were single and the IRS can't say boo because they're just like, yeah, he's totally divorced, whatever. I, I don't know. I'm obviously clearly reading way too much into this, but it just sounded insane to me. Like, from a gut, like, because obviously the government will come after you for if you feel anything out wrong, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So, like, how do you not know? But also, because I, I liken this to when Britney Spears went and got married in, like, 2004 or something. Like, Britney Spears had, like, a 24-hour in Vegas. Like, she got married and, like, yeah. Right, but yeah. then she got it annulled. 
And that's what I'm thinking happened. I think divorce. I don't know if it was an annulment or divorce, but whatever. She got it. Like it got done. Yeah. She didn't matter. (laughs) She got it annulled. And that's why I'm sitting here and I'm like, why didn't Jay and Abby just get theirs annulled? Why did they get divorced? And don't ask me for the difference. I did not practice family law for that long. I don't know. But (laughs) yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I understand that we can equate it to the same thing as the Britney Spears thing. But like Britney Spears then got hers annulled divorce. So it didn't matter. Because it got processed and handled, and they ended the marriage. Jay and Abby did not. Brenda, take it over. I'm going to Google the difference between annulment and divorce. (laughs) Anyway. And so Jay's like, uh, okay. And he's like, oh, I'll sign them. And she's like, yeah, well, I don't really walk around with them, so why don't you meet me for a drink later? And Jay's like, "Uh, I guess this chick brought herself, she put herself on a plane, brought herself to Chicago for the sole purpose of getting Jay to sign these divorce papers. And she's like, I don't carry them with me. Bitch, well, that's that is. She didn't actually. That was not really her reasoning. It's negative five degrees out. Why wouldn't you bring the divorce papers with you? Because she's still in love with him. <sighs> Which, like, I can't blame you. It's Jay, right? But still. Okay, wait, I found it. Okay. An annulment basically acts as though the marriage never existed and there are fewer issues to deal with. Okay, so why wouldn't they just annul it? Because obviously there's like there's no property between them. There's no assets between them. And they've been married for a whopping like hour. No, they were married for eight years (laughs) in the end. Well, no, but I'm saying why? Oh, why didn't they try to get an annulment? I'm also assuming that they got the divorce papers done like the next day. I don't know. But I well, I, I know why. And we'll get to there in a little bit. Her reasoning. Because if she had gotten an annulment, then it would have never happened. And she didn't want it to say. I don't think that either one of them wanted to say that it never happened. They just didn't want to be married to each other. Abby is a stage five clinger. Stage five clinger. Yeah. I, I have a lot of questions on the Abby front. Like, why now? Why now? Yeah. Why not five years ago? Why not three years ago? Why not? Why? I, I, I'm so curious. Right. Were Abby and Jay Facebook friends? Probably. So did she know that he was in a relationship? Okay. They're definitely Facebook friends in the sense that like, but but they both kind of just live their lives and whatever. And you act like Jay checks his Facebook regularly. You know that man hates social media. But he probably updated it when, at least put, changed his profile picture or cover photo when he and Aaron got together. Um, I don't even think he did that. I think Aaron set up the Facebook for him. And then like one random night that they were together, she was like, I should just update it to this super cute picture of us. I don't even think Jay knows what the hell Facebook is. He just knows that he has one because Aaron set it up for him. I mean, that's probably true. But point being, point being... They were Facebook friends. Were they Facebook friends? That's all I wanted to know. No, they're totally Facebook friends, but Jay doesn't use Facebook. I think he does now. I think Haley, like, talked him into it somehow. Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, though. Hmm. For Jay. Okay. Um, Jay doesn't (laughs) use Twitter. Jay does not use Twitter. Absolutely not. He doesn't have a Twitter. He doesn't care about it. There's no way. Instagram, no. I don't even think Jay has one of those. I think you think he has a Facebook and not anything else? I think so. Yeah, I think he has a Facebook and not anything else. And I think Haley's probably trying to talk him into getting 
at least an Instagram or a Twitter. But I think if Jay has Instagram, he uses it much like Patty does in real life, in which he like posts a picture once like every six months with like no caption. I'd agree with that part. I think he has an Instagram, but is not used properly. Why haven't we recorded with wine in like forever? We I should... don't... <laughs> Why anyway. are we not doing this every week? Anyway, <laughs> back, rolling it back here. <laughs> anyway, so basically, yeah, she went through all this trouble to track him down and sought him out at his work and didn't bring him with him. But whatever. Anyway, she, she traveled to Chicago, like, just to see him. Can we just, like, let that sink in for a second? Like, presumably, she lives in another state. After eight years. Thank that you. That blows my mind. After eight years. Yes. No communication. Okay. Here's the, okay, going back to the Facebook thing for a hot second. Was <laughs> she actually Facebook friends with Jay, or is she Facebook friends with Will? Because... I don't feel like she's Facebook friends with Jay. I feel like she was Facebook friends with Will. And that's kind of how she kept tabs on him. Oh, that's such a good question. And, like, Will uses social media. He totally does. Oh, Will definitely does. Yeah, he does. So, oh, I think that's such a great question. I could totally see him. I could see her not being friends with Jay, but being Facebook friends with Will. Because then how else would, like, if, but if Abby knows, if Abby knows about Aaron, does she still come to Chicago? I don't know, but first of all, okay, going back to the why I brought that up, because how does Abby have Jay's number? I'm sure his number has changed in eight years. She got it from Will. Will totally coughed it up, not realizing what he did. Right, but then why does Will ask the whole question about, like, oh, did you know Abby's in blah, 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 you know? Because, because Will, as charming and adorable as he is is a little oblivious sometimes and like yeah he just kind of like says the thing or you know blah like blabs the info and is like oops yeah anyway abby coming to chicago is still insane to me she's a mess after eight fucking years she's a mess i did not remember it was eight years ago like until i watched this episode and i was like what she's a mess yeah anyway so then later on in the episode, we go to the break room and Aaron finally corners Jay alone enough to ask him about Abby. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, who is this girl? Like, who is it? And Jay comes clean and tells her that, you know, she was she ran cultural support for his um, group when they were overseas. And then, you know, they were good friends. And then after he... Um, came back they hadn't seen each other until like a year year and a half later when they were in vegas for another friend from overseas funeral um and then you know they just got super drunk because it's a funeral and you're all in your feelings and then they got married so like you said it's quite literally a britney spears 24-hour wedding literally also i can't believe britney's 24-hour wedding was 2004 like that was uh, that's the year I graduated high school, which like, I don't even want to hear what grade you were in, Brenna. Um, it was probably <laughs> kindergarten, but like, yeah, not that far off. <laughs> that was in elementary school. God, I'm old. I'm old, but also, I mean, that it feels like another lifetime ago. I just, yeah, that's crazy. But anyway, anyway, so then Erin says, Erin says, kind of this like big line. She's like, you know, Jay, you married this girl, and you didn't tell me. Like, you were never gonna tell me. Okay. I have a question here. Yes. So 
in Jay's eyes, in Jay's, you know, in Jay's world inside of his head, this was a 24-hour thing to which his understanding was it was, like, done and done in 24 hours. Like, marriage and done. Like, annulled, divorced, whatever. That was solved all in a weekend. So, by Aaron just sitting there and saying, like, you married this girl. Like, you were never going to tell me. Is she blowing this out of proportion? I think slightly. I think there is some truth when he when she says like Jay, you marry this girl. Like you know how they always make the comment about how alcohol just brings out the truth. Yeah. Like I think that was a part of Jay, as much as drunk as he was and as messed up as Jay was back then, or I imagine Jay to be. I do think part of him probably did like Abby, and I mean obviously clearly enough to say something in him said like, hey, you want to get married, and they got married. Right? So, like, he did make a choice to marry her, right? Like, yes, he was drunk, but, like, he did make a choice to marry her. But also, I think, I don't think, I think she's slightly blowing it out of proportion, but, like, he did get married. It's not crazy to think. Like, he did get married. I, it doesn't sound to me like he did it out of love. It sounds to me like he did it out of loneliness. Right, but either way, I think it goes back to... There's a lot of stuff that Jay, at this point, hasn't really worked through and, like, has maybe kind of sort of started to work through or whatever and that Erin doesn't know about. And I think this – I think the reason that she's blowing it out of proportion is that she finally just really realizes that, like, there's a lot of stuff about date Jay that she still doesn't really know. And that, like, if they're going to be in a relationship – forever or you know want to you know however long it lasts and if they do eventually want to take the next step together then like there needs to be a little more communication if they're gonna last for like four more episodes not even that not, uh, four more episodes they're in over at the end of this episode i don't want to talk about it <laughs> but yeah i i think so i think i think she's slightly blowing it out of the proportion but i can like okay if you were in Aaron's situation though would you be upset Okay, so upon upon initial learning of this, like if you were in the middle of this scene, you just found out that your boyfriend, if you just found out Charlie had been married before, would you be upset? Okay, so Charlie comes to me and is like, by the way, babe, eight years ago, I was married for like 24 hours. Right. And I'm not saying that you don't like you're not going to eventually get over it and you guys won't talk about it. I'm saying in this moment right here, Charlie says, like you said, I got married eight years ago and it was just 24 hours, but we got divorced. Well, we didn't get divorced, but you know what I'm saying? Like you got, I got married eight years ago. I, I, right now, as I'm sitting here, you know, answering this question, I feel like I'm more inquisitive. I feel like I listened to it before I decide whether I'm angry or not. Like, I think I say, okay, well, tell me about it. You know, what, what happened? Why haven't, why didn't you tell me yet? Were you not comfortable? I think I ask more questions before I decide if I'm angry or not. I think I'd react first. And that's not to even say that like 30 minutes later, I wouldn't ask more questions. And like, I probably would calm down, but I think I would react first. Hmm. I'm not saying that I would let, I mean, I think eventually I would talk through it and I would, I could be okay with it and I probably would be okay with it. But like, I think for like at least a hot second, I react. Okay. I see that. I mean, I have moments sometimes where I'm just like, 
Especially depending on the time of the month you catch me. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah. but the other thing here, too, is that Aaron doesn't even really react. It's not like it's not like she's a total hothead and storms out, right? She just says she's like, you were never going to tell me. And so I think she just doesn't get the time to process because then Ruse comes in and is like, hey, we got to move. Right. And that's what I'm saying, too. And I think the other reason that she doesn't, why it's not totally blowing it out of proportion is because of the way that she reacts at the very end of the episode. Yeah. Like, she's willing to talk about it, and we'll get there in a second, but, like, she is willing to talk about it and try to work through it and blah, 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 and it's Jay who up and leaves, but we'll get there in a second. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, I think, I don't think she's blowing it out of proportion. I just think, I think it's totally normal the way she reacted. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jay and Abby are drinking and sharing stories like they're out for the drink, whatever. Totally understandable why they're not at Molly's this time. Imagine being Herman or Gabby and being behind that bar and being like, the fuck is this? (laughs) Yeah, I'd be bad. I just imagine the two of us in the corner like, is that Jay? Who's he with? That's not Aaron. What the hell's happening? (laughs) Like, yeah, pretty much. Totally understandable. Um. I find it interesting that Jay even agreed to the drink in the first place. Like. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make an excuse, but like, I feel like it's one of those situations where it's probably easier to just say yes, because then you get it over with faster. And if you don't say if you if he doesn't say yes, then she's like bugging him more about it and maybe even won't potentially even leave Chicago. Like, I feel like if you just say yes, you take the hour, you get it over with and you're done. Right. And, and Jay is under the assumption that she's bringing the divorce papers. Right. Jay has no idea that she's not. Jay has no idea that this chick is kind of a psycho. Um, because she lied about the fiance. What the hell? Again, after eight years, it does. It doesn't make sense to me. Stage five cling er. Like, I feel like Abby should pop up in the next season of You. Well, I've never watched You. But I feel like it's also one of those things, too, where she probably is at a point where she's still single, clearly. And she has just hit, like, you know, breakup after breakup after breakup. And it's like, you know what? Let's go back and try Jay again. Like, that sounds like fun. Just go on The Bachelorette. Don't bother Jay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh my anyway. Goodness. Yeah. And so she lied about the fiance and Jay just gives her like an Abby and kind of a calm voice. But she just goes, I never told you that I loved you. Like, even the day we got married, it didn't feel right. But I did. OK. That yeah. ship sailed eight freaking years ago. Yeah. If it was even a ship to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And Jay handles this really well, though. Jay just is like, you deserve everything good. I'm just not the guy that's going to give it to you. Totally mature, rational response, like totally. And I'm I'm devoted to Aaron, like that kind of answer. It's it's pretty spot on. So it makes yeah. no sense why we wrap on the scene that we do. Again, again. And, like, up until this point, up until the very final scene of this episode, the execution on this episode has been pretty damn good. Like, Mm -hmm. it's been pretty damn good. I mean, yeah, like, given all things and, like, the bomb that they threw at us, like, yeah, I thought this was fine up until the end. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the end is basically where we don't stick the landing and fuck everything up. Yeah. Aaron gets home and Jay is packing clothes. And he just he's like, I'm going to go stay with Will. I have a lot of stuff I need to figure out. So Jay is the one who initiates this breakup, to which I say, what the fuck? Well, okay. Yeah, and then this is where, well, the continuity really gets screwed up after that, right? Because this is 417. The season ends on 422. But in the middle of that, Jay kind of flirts with Natalie a little bit over on Med. And then somehow by the end of season four, so like five episodes later on PD, he wants to propose to Aaron. I don't understand. (laughs) The hottest of messes. It's so fucked up. But anyway... Oh my goodness, it's beyond fucked up. And I try to block out the Natalie stuff. The thing that I think is honestly makes this whole thing that much more insane is the fact that over on Ned, in between 417 and 422, Jay and Natalie went to a hockey game and like that was entertained for a hot second. What the hell? (laughs) It really doesn't. None whatsoever. Zilch. But anyway, going back to the Jay's response, it, it, it that also makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It's just like he literally says to her, he's, he's like, I love you and I want to stay. He's like, who I was back then, I'm not proud of it. And I know you think that everything's behind, but it's not. He's like, I'm still married. I got to sort that out. But I just don't think I should be here right now. But that's literally, to me, contradictory to what he just told Abby. Because like you said... I thought his response to Abby was a totally mature, rational response. Like, to me, that response was something that clearly he valued her. He wasn't saying that, like, I regret marrying you or anything like that. Like, I thought it was a really great response. And then he's like, you know, who I was back then. I'm not proud of it. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It just, it's so contradictory to me. It just makes zero sense. The only thing I can think of that maybe like reconciles this in the slightest is that like maybe Abby stirred up a lot of demons for him. Demons that we don't know about. Demons that he doesn't talk about. And it just stirred up so much for him that he's feeling far too much to, you know, devote time and energy to being a good boyfriend right now. That's literally the only guess I've got. Okay, so I have two comments. Mm-hmm. One off of that, I the thing that I don't understand is why then doesn't that bubbling, like that feeling come up in the scene with him and Abby? Like we never got that indication from any of his interactions with Abby. So that's why it feels so let feel. I'm not saying that that can't be the case because I think it probably is, but like we just didn't get any of indication of that from his time with Abby. Right. And so it just feels so out of left field. But the other reason, again, that this feels so out of left field, and I think even if they were going to have Aaron break, Aaron and Jay break up so that Sophia could leave the show, well, then why didn't you just have Aaron say that she couldn't deal with it? Thank you. That. That. Like, yeah, it still would have sucked. And, like, it wouldn't have made the Linstead breakup or anything feel any better. But it would have made a lot more sense. A lot more sense. My only guess there is that if Aaron is the one who ends it, maybe maybe in that case, Jay feels like he can't propose to her in the finale. Why? I don't know. I feel like that just makes even more sense. Because then Jay has a reaction of like, oh, crap. 
because I wasn't honest, I lost the best thing that ever happened to me, and now I'm going to try to win her back. I, I don't know. I think that's that's definitely a lingering question is why wasn't Aaron the one to end it? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. I, just, I will just never get over the fact that over on Med during this time, Jay and Natalie were having a little flirty flirt hockey game fun thing, whatever, <laughs> and... It just contradicts all of this, too. Not only did Jay and Aaron break up, Jay's the one who broke up with Aaron, but then Jay was like, hey, Will, I'm going to go flirt with your girl. Is that cool? Right. I'm going to take her to a hockey game, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And I think what also makes it more insane or the whole thing more crazy and hard to wrap my mind around, too, is then by the end of season four, so again, five episodes later, Jay's like, I'm ready to propose now. And I'm like, what? (laughs) it's so true though and like it's double bro code like hey you know your brother is into this girl aside from the fact that it's bro code he is your literal brother like don't do that to him yeah um, and again i think too like again i understand the point of like the cliffhanger and trying to end season four the way they did but like and yeah, like, back then, I was like, yes, Jay needs to propose to Aaron, he's gonna use his ring, his mom's ring, it's gonna be amazing, blah, 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 but then I'm thinking about it, too, and I'm like, but how did he get there? Like, what changed in five episodes that got him from, I'm not sure I can even live with you anymore because I still have a lot to work out, to, I'm ready to get married to you. I, the the marriage thing was a Hail Mary. It just was a total, like... But what made him even think about that? It's the same. It's the same thing as like the the way this past season of Med ended. How April and Ethan broke up, and then Ethan was in trouble, and April was oh, like, "Don't even get me started on that." <laughs> but it's the same about how April was like, "I broke up with him," like Bleh, whatever, and then she was like, "Must go to the convenience store." Like, yeah, they're broken up, but also Jay's always going to be drawn to her. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I Again, it would have made more sense if Aaron had broken up with Jay in this moment. It would have made all of the sense in the world. I still wouldn't have been happy about it, but it would have made more sense. Yeah, yeah. And also, how fucked up is it is that Will, of all people, is the voice of reason when he's like, she doesn't want to be saved. <laughs> yeah. It's such a mess so messy oh and don't even get me started on how like none of us considered this a breakup at first how we were all just like okay well they're just taking a break no not at all oh man (laughs) not at all it's such a mess erin's coming back for sure this is she's not leaving the show yeah okay so erin and jay are just taking a quick break they'll figure it out cut to the finale and will's like you guys aren't together right and we're just like, yeah, they are. And Jay's like, no. What? And then, like, two weeks later, Sophia Bush leaves PD and we're like, what? You guys, I went to a One Tree Hill con between the season finale and when that announcement happened. And Sophia was at that con. And, like, none of us suspected everything. All of us were just like, everything's wonderful. And then, like, that happened. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. I'm just like face palming because everything is just like a mess. Ugh. 
Yeah, I vividly remember where I was when I learned that information too. Crazy. <laughs> I just, I yeah, I this the execution was just so bad. It's so bad. And this will remain a mystery forever. Why wasn't Aaron the one to break up with Jay? Why was Jay the one to end it? I would love to know. We'll never know, but I would love to know. Now, we do know in in Jesse's meet and greet at the con in 2019, one of our listeners, Beth, she asked Jesse if Jay was divorced. We weren't able to find out what he said or like we can't remember what he said, but we'll find out. Remember what he said we couldn't remember who asked him the question and then Jennifer said it was Beth. What did, what did Jesse say? Was remember he said he was like, Oh yeah, he probably got divorced off screen. Jesse is just like way too pragmatic with these things. Like we need him to like, we need him to read into it as much as we do. I know. (laughs) The problem is he doesn't. And it makes me mad. Like Jesse, we need you to get worked up over this. Can you please and talk about how stupid this is? I don't know if Jesse would ever come on this podcast as much as I want him to, because we're going to ask him some like question like that. And he's going to be like, what? Y'all, I had a dream the other night that I legit asked Jesse to come on this (laughs) podcast and he declined. Tell him why, though. <laughs> okay, this is so oh my god, this is so random. Okay, so so I'm in Chicago in this dream. This is dream, right? I'm in Chicago in this dream for whatever reason. It's me and like a group of people, and Jesse's there too. So I finally get Jesse like alone, not alone, alone, but I finally am like, hey, I have a question for you. And I'm like, so you know, me and Brian, we host the podcast, and he's like, yeah, of course. And I'm just like, we would love to have you on. And he just goes. I'm all good. You know, things are kind of crazy right now. And I have to pay for my own transportation. And I'm just like, all good, dude. Totally all good. It makes it's even better when you say it out loud. <laughs> it makes about as much sense as the end of this episode does. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't think Jesse could ever come. On. I mean, I hope he does. I will never turn him down if he wants to come on the podcast. But like, I don't think he could ever we come need on to start podcast. manifesting this. Like Jesse Lee Soffer, come on, meet us at Molly's challenge, please. I know we've been trying. It's not for lack of trying. Trust me. <laughs> I really hope he never listens to like this little bit though, because then he'll be like, <laughs> no. Remember how we interviewed Nick and Nick was like, I listened to parts of it. And we were like, oh, God, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Patty's like, I love all your questions. And like, Patty's like the complete opposite. Patty loves them. And then Jesse, I imagine being like, what? Jesse's like, wow, you guys need hobbies. And we're just like, but we have hobbies. We watch one Chicago. And theorize for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> So anyway, anyway <laughs> we did ask for y'all's opinions because, again, we just wanted this to be like a big vent session. And that's exactly what it is. You guys came through. Oh, we there were so happy. Really good comments. Oh, my goodness. OK, so the first question we got was from Abby. Irony right there, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Abby goes, why are people so hooked on Linstead? Totally valid question. Mm hmm. So let me ask you, Bryna, why are people so hooked on Linstead? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just like, there is, despite the fact that it may be more one-sided than the other, there is a clear connection. And there is, yeah, we say that Jay may care a little bit more for Aaron than Aaron cared about Jay, but Aaron cared about Jay too. There is no denying that either. And I think it's just the connection and the chemistry. 
I I get what Abby's saying here, and as I look back on it with you know twenty twenty season seven eyes, I I think yeah. What drew me to it is how happy it made Jay. Because I feel like Aaron only cared about Jay when it was convenient for her. Well, yeah, but I think it's easier to say now, again, in hindsight. Like, mm-hmm. in the moment, I think it was... I think there was clear feelings from both of them. Yeah, Jay may have felt a little bit stronger, and Jay may have been trying to get Aaron to open up a little bit more. But, like, it was still there. Like, the connection, the chemistry... I think they brought something out in each other, and I think that, like, yes, they were partners at work, but they were also, you know, friends, and they were, you know, partners in, like, life, and I, I just, I I think there was a lot there. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not healthy, and, like, looking back on it, I definitely agree, too. Like, there is, I wouldn't say it's so toxic, but there's definitely toxic moments, for sure, Um but yeah, but that doesn't mean that, like, again, when I watch this episode, I see the moment of Jay caring for Aaron, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, like, I, I still love that. Like, I still do love Linstead, and I love what they meant to me when I was watching it for the first time, and how they made me feel as a viewer. Like, I still love them for that, but I can also recognize now that we're, geez, like, four seasons, almost four seasons out from this, um... That, like, there were a lot of issues there, too. So, you know what I, you know what I consider toxic here? And really, it's not even toxic. It's more selfish. Is that Jay was like, I'm going to go. Aaron didn't do a thing. What do you mean? Like, you know, after um, Casey and Gabby broke up for the first time and Kelly was like, you need to go fight for her. Yeah. Aaron didn't do that. Aaron was just like, okay. So it was. Yeah, but that's, again, that's more of a writing thing it's hard to also separate to like what we know now about the way it was the ending was written and stuff because to me that i see that as like a oh that's a writing thing mm-hmm. because they were trying to get sophia out yeah not necessarily like it's hard to separate the two because you're looking at it and you're like oh that is aaron as a character but like to me i'm look at that i'm like oh but now that we know what we know i'm like oh they were trying to get aaron out so yeah. it's hard for me to take anything in those last couple of episodes seriously or even as, like, canon. I don't know if that's the right phrase I want to use just because I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to get Sophia out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, I, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, take us through Christine's comment. Yeah. So Christine just basically said, like, even if they just need an excuse to break Linstead up, this shouldn't have been the way to go. Also, you can't tease your girlfriend about marriage when you yourself were married before. But, again, this was 24 hours in Vegas. Do we even count this as married? Marriage is marriage. In my eyes. I mean, when you're 22 and, like, you know, you're... Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would technically... It's hard, right? Like, yes, I will say this. It is a marriage. It's almost like that. You know how people make the distinction distinction between like mothers and fathers, and then like a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, like your mother and your father is the person who like gave birth to you and helped bring you into this world. But your mom and your dad are the people who raised you and loved you and whatever. Like I think you could probably find some. I don't know what words you would use, but for a marriage, right? Like yes, they technically got married, so a marriage is a marriage. But like, was it a loving and healthy relationship and whatever? Like no. But a marriage is a marriage. 
Does that make sense? I mean, it you does. Know, like, they technically got married. And so you cannot say that, like, does it count as married? Yes, it counts as married because they were married in the eyes of the law. Like, they were married. But, like, was it a loving, healthy marriage relationship even at, for any point? No. Yeah, but to me, I mean, Jay teasing Aaron about marriage is marriage with all the bells and whistles. I mean, this was literally, like, a totally hasty decision, a quick, like, I'm 22 and, like, neck deep in emotional trauma. What the phrases would be, like, the equivalent of in marriage to what I was trying to explain with, like, mother and mom versus Mm -hmm. dad and father. Um, So, but yes, I think were they technically married yes they were technically married you cannot say that it it counts as a marriage but like they didn't have the loving healthy or even (laughs) toxic relationships that sometimes marriages are so you know whatever that distinction you want to make between that but like yeah Mm -hmm. it still counts yeah so um amanda said this episode honestly just hurts me and like I, i i feel that yeah Again, it's that last, like, five minutes. Yeah. 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 Just, just hurts. Yeah. Go ahead and take us through Kathleen. Um, so Kathleen had a lot to... Kathleen had some interesting points, and I there were a couple other people who brought this up. This was not where I was going, but I think it's interesting. Definitely worth something to talk about. So Kathleen said, here's the thing. On initial watch and relaunch, I actually liked the Jay previous marriage storyline. Everyone has a past, some darker and fully explored like Aaron and Charlie. Jay's brief marriage was an impulsive post-military decision. It it obviously wasn't a deep commitment, yet played to his headspace at that time in his life. It also wasn't top of mind in what became his current life. Most relationships don't dwell on past relationships because you are building something for a future, not consistently reliving the past. So the idea that it was some great portrayal has always hit a little different because I actually think it was pretty realistic. Ooh, nail Um, on the head, Kathleen. That's good. I thought it was interesting. And then obviously she goes on to talk about how, like, if you're adding to the above, like, if we look at Lynn said through a realistic lens, like, they always, of course, had communication issues and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I just, I thought it was interesting because I didn't, it's, first of all, I didn't see that. I still don't like it because, not saying that I don't think it's realistic. And I do agree with her point that, like, people have dark past. And I think, for Jay, I do think it was, like, an impulsive post-military decision. I do think it, you know, played to his headspace at that time of life. Like, from that point, I think it feels super realistic. But also, I think part of me feels, too, that, like, as much as I believe Jay was in love with Aaron at this point, I still find it hard to believe that it didn't come up at all. I, I mean... I can see, I can see why it didn't, though. I mean, Jay, Jay's not proud of who he was at that time in his life. And so it could be something that he's just afraid that if Aaron knows, she's going to run. I mean, I guess, but like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I do like her point, though, that like most, Kathleen's point that most relationships don't dwell in past relationships. Um, But I also think that there's a difference between dwelling and ever mentioning either. Like, just because you don't talk about, you know, like, you're not sitting here all the time being like, yeah, that ex-boyfriend I had six years ago, man, he was great. That was a great blah, blah, blah. Does it mean that at some point you're not like, hey, I had, you know, five boyfriends before you or mm-hmm. whatever? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do think, I don't know. 
I also like the point Kathleen makes about how many times that Aaron was like, you wouldn't like this if you knew and things like that. And so the, you know, she says that if we're honestly looking at the episode as a lack of trust, like that was laid out as framing for Linstead from the start because Aaron was just as cagey about her past as Jay was about his. Yeah. And again, it's easier to say this in hindsight. I mean, I am, I'm impressed by the fact that Kathleen realized this on initial watch um, and that because I certainly didn't. And I wonder if how much if Kathleen was a Linstead fan at all. Um, but like, I certainly didn't. And I was just in the like, oh, well, they'll eventually get back together. It's fine. <laughs> and so, yeah, but it's easier for me in hindsight to like realize everything Kathleen's saying to be like, yeah, she's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Deanna says, as someone who still adores Linstead and all it was, I hated this episode so much. You know, in hindsight, we were all aware of Sophia's upcoming departure and we needed to create a fracture in the relationship so they could blow it up by the finale. But the way they chose to do it felt more like a comedy sitcom plot point. See Ross and Rachel on Friends. Yes, 100% agree. Especially when you consider that Jay over on Med was trying to take handle be with Natalie. I don't get it. Um, I definitely thought that they were on a break. Jay and Aaron, not Ross and Rachel. So, yeah. You thought Jay and Aaron were on a break? I didn't think they broke up. Oh, on a break. I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Friends I reference. A I'm a little, I'm a, no, I got the reference. I, if it, I'm a little, I'm a little tipsy. It's fine. Anyway. Us tipsy never. I know. What? What? So Deanna also says the break room conversation when Aaron called him out was tough. Uh, You know, we all want to defend him when she's like, you were never going to tell me. But, you know, he was married. Even just a quickie Vegas wedding that he thought was over should have been something he planned to tell her at some point in their relationship. It may have been. I mean, it just wasn't at that time. It's just that Abby had to be a clinger and... But if he's already teasing Aaron about marriage and, like, clearly somewhere in the back of his head is thinking about proposing to Aaron, like, shouldn't you probably think that at some point soon you're going to have to tell her? I just don't count this as married. I just count this as, like, like, Jay, like, an early 20s baby Jay being, like, neck deep in emotional trauma and just acting out of loneliness. I just don't count this as married. But regardless of whatever it was, whether you don't consider it a marriage or not, like, Jay eventually still has to, I don't know, I find, I would personally, I think, find it hard, even if Jay, let's say Jay never got married, and Jay just went through everything he went through in Afghanistan, I think I personally would find it really hard, I'm not saying you have to tell me as soon as you come home, I'm not saying you have to tell me a year after you come home, like, but I, I don't think I could be married to someone who went through what Jay went through through and never know exactly everything that happened to him that's valid you know just because it was so much i'm not saying that you didn't do it for good reasons and you know obviously everything that happened to him over afghanistan you know completely valid but like i don't think i could be with somebody who went through all of that and not know so even if it was just because of he got married because of the ptsd and stuff and you don't actually consider it a real marriage I think I would still need to know eventually just because of everything. It, it goes all, it ties all in together. Right, right. Um, the other thing Deanna said that I like here is that she said leaving seemed really out of character for Jay, which, and I, again, that's why I think Abby really 
you know, she, she she stirred up some demons within Jay, demons that none of us know about, not even Aaron. And that's the only reason that makes sense to me as to why he left. Yeah, and I like what she said too, like, she said, you know, Deanna says like, yes, he had things to sort out with Abby. Yes, he needed to deal with the past him and he wasn't proud of, you know, by going to therapy. But she said, but Jay fought for Aaron so hard and for so long and loved her so much. And I think that he would have stayed and tried to work things out together. Again, I think Aaron should have been the one to break up with Jay mm-hmm. if they were going to go that route. Yeah. Yeah. So um, take us through the next one. Yeah. So this comes from user at Tina Time 21. Um, again, she brings up a similar point that uh, Kathleen brought up about how, you know, everyone has pasts and past relationships um, Jay is no different than Aaron's with Charlie or Aaron with her old friend that she partied and slept with. Um, Landon. Jay, yes. It just came out. Um, she said, Jay having an old relationship that turned into a sumpling married isn't something shocking. Maybe it's me, but Vegas weddings sound like a good time, too. We cast Sev. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, and then she kind of brings up other similar. She said, like, how was he supposed to know that Abby never signed the papers? Like, how can we blame him for hiding this? Um, and she, too, brings up the fact that, like, Linstead had communication issues. Um, More so or said, less so than Dossie? <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> uh, I think they both did in very different ways. Like, I feel like it's hard to compare them. Look at Brenna dodging the question. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but she said, you know, she said, I feel like a lot of people put blame on Jay for breaking Aaron's trust, but did they really share stuff like this? Um, I don't know. They kind of did, because there's that episode where Aaron tells Jay that she lived in a homeless shelter for a little bit. Yeah, I think they did. And I don't know if I don't, would you say that Jay broke Aaron's trust? I, uh, No. Yeah, I, I I don't agree with that either. Uh-huh. Oh. I think that there's a difference between Jay not telling Aaron. Like, I think Jay didn't tell Aaron, and, like, you could say that Jay wasn't open, you know, about whatever, but I don't think he broke Aaron's trust. We don't know. I mean, I, I would like to give Jay the benefit of the doubt and say that he was going to tell her one day. He just yeah. wasn't ready yet. Hence him leaving. He wasn't ready to tell her. But here's the thing, too, right, is that, like, when Abby first starts coming, you know, texting him and calling him and whatever, he had time to also come clean to her and, like, figure out a way to tell her before Abby theoretically showed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that you had to have told her as soon as you met Aaron or, you know, even 10 months into your partnership or whatever, but, like, you get the text from Abby and Abby's clearly trying to communicate with you. Then I feel like you probably start thinking, Hey, maybe I should tell Aaron and like, maybe I need to do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. I will say, um, at Tina time 21 also brought up a really excellent point. I would love to know if sever, I never told Stella about his Vegas wedding. I don't think he did. Cause remember when Stella found out she was upset. When did Stella find out? Stella found out, I don't remember the season, but I remember Gabby and Brett were sitting outside in lawn chairs and they were laughing about it. And Stella was like, I'm sorry, what? 
Oh yeah, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah. Um but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, moral of the story, one Chicago man is <laughs> tell your significant other about your past Vegas weddings. Yes. Oh man, you know, this is so bad. We should totally make a what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas shirt. <laughs> 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 or something like that. Oh man. Anyway, um yeah do you want to take us through samantha's yeah so last up samantha i mean she just says it plain as day linstead deserved better did linstead deserve better or did jay deserve better or did aaron deserve better you could argue both you really could you really could you know she said they didn't get an ending i hate how they ended it yeah same same um, and even in 2018, when we were at Con, Jesse said in his meet and greet, he's like, that was pretty anticlimactic. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, she said, I get that Sophia was leaving, so they had to end things, but they couldn't think of a better way to do it than having Aaron practically ghost Jay. Samantha, we love you. Don't get us started. <laughs> like, she ghosted him with his dead mom's ring, and he was going to propose. I'm okay. I'm good. Ugh. Aaron and Jay clearly cared a lot about each other. That is correct. Uh, you know, she said, I find it hard to believe that Aaron would just up and leave Chicago without telling Jay goodbye. I actually don't find it that hard to believe. I'm not surprised. I don't know. It, it hurts. Yeah. I'm not necessarily surprised, but that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Right. Right. Samantha said, I wanted to see Jay dealing with Aaron leaving more than we did. Yes. Um, I think we saw him get emotional while clearing her stuff out of his place, and that was about it. It's like after she left, besides like a scene or two, Jay basically forgot all about Aaron. Now, what I will say to that is that I think Jay is good at hiding his emotions, like really, really good at hiding his emotions. So I think what my guess at what happened is that, you know, Aaron left and yeah, he was feeling some sort of way, but he hid it. And then all of a sudden in 501, he accidentally shoots that little girl. And it's just like in the news cycle when a news story comes along and overshadows what was there before it. I think that just kind of washed everything over. I don't know. I like to agree with Samantha here. I think it feels a little bit like, and I get it. It's a TV show. They're not going to dwell too much on the past forever. Like it's a TV show. But I like to think in real life, if I had someone ghost me like that, that I was, thought I was going to propose to, you know, was living with, et cetera, et cetera, like, I'd probably be a little, a lot upset about, not a little, a lot upset about it for a while. Right. No, you're right. No matter how, like, yeah, something happens at work that also wasn't great, but I think that just would have added to my pain and grief and not overshadowed it. I think it just would have added it to it and made it worse. As you can tell, we're still not over it. I'm still not over it. We'll never be over it, for the no. record. And, it, and I think the thing, too, that, again, we've talked about this before, but I think it's important to bring up again, is just because you love Linstead like we did and like we do still, clearly, doesn't also mean that, like, you can't also like Upstead. Right. And whoever else, if it doesn't end up being Haley being the love of Jay's life, whoever else comes after that. Right. Like, you can love both. It is okay. It is perfectly okay to love both. It's also perfectly okay to love Linstead and hate how this episode ends. Right. And just hate how they ended in general. Yeah. 
Totally okay. Totally okay. Yeah. I think that's important to remember. Yes. So um, there are some other little moments that we want to touch on before we wrap it up. Um, because, I mean, let's be real. We could sit here and yell about this episode for, like, hours if we wanted to. Yeah. I, um, pardon me. I had, like, a tiny little bit left in my wine bottle. And I only poured one cup. And I was, like, pardon me. was, like, hmm, do I bring the wine bottle upstairs to finish it or not? And I decided against it. But, like, I could clearly um you absolutely finish it what are you talking about i mean i gotta go to work tomorrow i can't finish it yeah but and anyway. your point um yeah but i actually have to go into an office you don't I, that's true i don't i just have to like turn 90 degrees to go to my office um yeah so uh the other moments here that are pretty good is that you know we see al finally come back to work after lexi's death oh a heartbreaking moment so heartbreaking and yeah just all of it's hard and Platt's like if you ever want to not talk about it like i'm your girl Part of me wants to, like, emotionally torture myself and rewatch that episode or the, that crossover. But then part of me really doesn't. Not because Lexi died, which is very traumatic, but because that means I have to deal with justice and I don't want to deal with justice. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to do it. Don't That's do double it. torture. It's double torture because Lexi dies and then you have to watch justice on top of it. It's just a one-two punch. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. No. And then we also get that Ruzik and Alinsky scene where they're basically oh. like they're looking for evidence in the middle of this case. And Ruzik just looks at him and goes, can I give you a hug? I really miss the Ruzik and Al mentorship. I that that moment is just so sweet and it's so pure and it's just so it's so purely Adam as well. I I mean, obviously, I wish Al was here for a multitude of reasons, but I wish Al was here right specifically at this moment because I would love to see how Al handles the police reform, for, like, while he's still working with Foyt. Yeah, and that's tricky for him, right? Because he's got the kids on one side. He's got Ruzik, Atwater, and Jay who are like, what do we do? And then he's also got to keep Hank in check. Yeah, and I can just imagine Ruzik and Al having a conversation and Ruzik being like, you know, I've really tried to learn from Voight, but what do I do? Right. Right. So, yeah. And then we get that Burzik moment that is just so perfect and wonderful. So this is after they're, you know, trapped or whatever. And they're watching the interrogation and Ruzik just goes, you were worried about me when I was trapped down there, weren't you? And Burgess just like deadpan. She's like, that's not even remotely close to what I was thinking. And he walks away and he goes, yeah, it was. Just like my Burzik feelings. Well, because this is like right kind of close after Ruzik comes back and they had that kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. I remember when we thought that was going to be like them coming back in full force and then it was through three four seasons later we still haven't gotten anything really uh, until this last season i know yeah. and we were so hopeful we were like oh my god they kissed they kissed and yep nope that's a whole other rant for a whole other day about the burzix mm-hmm. i mean it, it's it's almost similar to winstead because like ruzik loves burgess but like does burgess know that ruzik would do anything for her like is it reciprocal and i We'll eventually have to do a Burzik episode. We have to do a Burzik episode. I think that's the one we should do after the Stellarite episode. Well, I mean, during a hiatus. Well, yeah. 
But I mean, we're that's not clearly doing that in season. That's a lot of work. No, no. I mean, that's the next ship one we should do after Stellaride, which, by the way, is what we're covering next week. Yeah, we'll get there in a second. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, any other notes on this episode? Any last minute feelings or rants? Just like let it out. Any last minute thoughts? Like nothing is too crazy. No, I just, I, again, I love Upstead. I'm excited to see what happens with Upstead. But I also really, really, really loved Linstead. And it still makes me mad. Everything about this makes me mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yes. Gina's like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go on. God, so that's that's about all we've got, which, yeah, <laughs> that's about all we've got for today. Um, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. We're serious. Like, we do other things than watch One Chicago. Like, you can talk to us about other stuff. Um, if you have questions about voting, I play Nintendo Switch, um, you know. Um, yeah, there's 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 other stuff you can talk to us about anytime. Um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, and we really hope you've made it to the end of this episode because that was fun. Um, <laughs> if you could please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us, we would greatly appreciate that. Also, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Brian K13. Next week is our Stellar Ride episode. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. You guys have until Tuesday. Tuesday the 27th? Is Tuesday the 27th? Yes. Next. Okay. You guys have until Tuesday, October 22nd to get 27th. Wine. Okay. You guys have until Tuesday the 27th to get us your voice memos. Your voice memos, your favorite Stellaride scenes, why you love Stellaride. Just just send us everything. So you can send us a voice memo. You can email us, DM us, however you'd like to do it. But you have until then to get us your Stellaride stuff. So that's about all we've got. In the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Go vote. And we will see you next week. Bye.